Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. With your host, Todd Martin. All right, so welcome back to the Go Time Podcast. Um, today I've got Krista Eichler and John Frank. Um, John and Krista are kind of starting off in some different parts of their business. John's been in the industry for the horse industry, and we've been friends for 20 years, yep. I think, right? Yeah. And uh, Krista, I've known her, actually gave her lessons when she was just a young girl. And, um, but now she's like some social media girl and she actually, she's the brains behind my um, social media stuff and has really helped me out with all that kind of stuff. And in trade, we actually, um, I'm helping her expand her knowledge in training horses and she wants to be a trainer. And, uh, or she is a trainer, but she wants to advance in her training. Yes. And so, um, man, if you don't grow, you're going backwards. Exactly. So she is where we spend time, you know, once, twice a week, um, working together. And so I thought it'd be a great time for us to talk about business, like the horse business and what do we do and, and what can we do? And so like for you guys to have, if you have questions on, you know, I may not have the right answers, but I could probably tell you what not to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes that's just as helpful as, um, as yes. the other. Right. So, um, so start with Krista. On, oh gosh. Like, so, um, your business is your training horses. Yes. And, um, and you're doing some events. You're doing, mm-hmm. it's like you're doing some barrel racing. Barrel racing, a little bit of ranch versatility here and there. And then uh, one of my clients is trying to get into show jumping. Oh, wow. And I started out show jumping, but it's been forever since I've done that. So that's something that I'm kind of having to like revisit for them yeah. to, yeah, cool. to get back into. So what questions do you have or what would be a question that you have as far as like, you with your business or yeah. whatever that you would or do you have something well um coming here when I first like drove up that one day I was like okay I just need to like eat a slice of humble pie and just throw everything I know out the window and just try to like learn as much as I can which I feel like some people like some people that train you know we get into our head and we kind of get an ego and we don't want to you know, necessarily learn from others, but coming here and like, just ask, I ask you so many questions. Like when we're riding together, I'm like, okay. And then my hands and then my legs, and then what do I do this? And blah, blah, blah. But it's just been really like, it's been so beneficial for me. And then not only that, but like, I ask you, I'm like, Hey, I have a client that blah, blah, blah does this. And then I'm like, what do I do in this situation? And like you said, you tell me what not to do, or you tell me like, you know, when you've had something similar happen. So um, yeah, that's been super helpful. But in terms of questions, um, how, what, when you like got your first big, like horse, like the, the first horse that you really felt like you could win something on and like, go take it to the next level. Like, how did you handle that? And like, how did you communicate with the client and how did you like bring that all together? Mm. So, um, Parts of it I handled really well. Parts of it I didn't handle mm. very well. And But it's just an experience you have to do if you want to go to the next part, right? right? And really, something that's important about that, that I think where I made the right decision, right? I had a client that decided, um, hey, 
let's go buy the big one. Yeah. Right. Let's go play in the in the big mm-hmm. league. Right. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let's go find it. Right. And um, and so I went out. I started looking at several different horses. And um, and you know, there was a bunch of guys. The the reigning horse industry is full of you know well intended. I'm sure you know trainers that you know want to sell me the right thing. They're wanting to sell a horse. Period. Right. Right. So. Some of them were, you know, willing to sell me a really good one. Some of them were willing to sell me whatever, you know, um, that they they needed to sell. And so the problem that I ran into was um, I didn't know um, whether horse was worth, you know, whatever the price was. Yeah. $100,000, you know. You know, if they price it at $100,000, how do you, how do you know if it's worth $100,000, Right. Unless you've ridden a horse that was worth $100,000. Well, who gets the opportunity to ride a horse that's worth $100,000? There's the benefit in sometimes working for another, for a top, top trainer, right? You might get the opportunity to ride a horse that was worth that kind of money. Know the feeling, yeah. Right. And so you can get an idea. It doesn't mean you're going to know everything about it, right? But a part of it is a gamble, Mm -hmm. right? It's always a gamble. Even if you've had, you know, a ton of experience, it's still kind of a gamble, you know, because you just, you're stepping up for the next one and the next deal. And a lot of times it's knowing what not to buy is more important than knowing what to buy. Right. And what is it worth? Well, you got to get an idea from the industry as to what it's worth. Well, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's another thing. It's like. Some people are like, he said, she said, blah, blah, blah. Don't buy from so-and-so, buy from Mm -hmm. so-and-so. And I feel like that's, it's hard to like sort out the buffer, you know? Like Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's very true, right? Cause everybody's got an opinion yes. and, and you know, somebody got, you know, taken on this right. and somebody, well, I mean, so you've got to, you've got to go into it. You're foolish if you don't go into it with your eyes wide open, mm-hmm. right? As best you can. So one of the things that really helped me was, um, I wasn't working for one of the top trainers but I was getting a lot of help from one of the top trainers, right? And that guy, that was Del Hendricks, mm-hmm. right? And I was riding with him. And and uh, why was I riding with him? He had won, like, so many things. I mean, he's, he's one of the, you know, he'll go down in the history books of reigning. And, um, and the reason why I was riding with him was not just because he had won all those things, but because he really was a great trainer, mm-hmm. right? And he had some things that he opened my eyes up to. Um, and I trusted him, right? I developed enough of a relationship that I could trust him in stuff. So a lot of times, you know, I'm going up, I'm not in up in the North Texas area where a lot of the stock is at to go and buy from. And I got to drive up there. It's, you know, six hours up there. I got to go look through 15 head of horses to, you know, try and find something. Well, it was a lot better for me to to tell Dale, you know, like, hey, I, I will... I will share part of my commission if you'll drive 20 minutes down the road to try that horse out and tell me if he's worth coming and looking at. Yeah. And he may go, you know, like, I watched that one at one show and that thing fell apart unless he's getting fixed. And I'm like, I wouldn't at that show. I don't know. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've seen a lot of stuff. And there's somebody that I can trust in the industry to go and look at it. And I may, it may come out of my pocket. I may not make as much on a commission or I may have to kind of forego a little bit. Right. But it's somebody that I trust. And he has ridden a horse worth that kind of money. Right. Right. Um, and I'm putting a lot of trust in my business to do that, but it's got to be somebody I can I can't trust. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that helped. That helped a lot is, is, you know, having somebody like that in my corner to be able to help me out. And I've done that a couple other times with a couple other trainers. Um, so, and they can decipher with who's, you know, who knows what they're doing, who doesn't. And it may be that that guy, well, the guy you're, that has that horse, he may be a shyster, but it's the right horse, you know? Yeah, right. So like, you need to go and buy, you know, you need to go look at that one and be careful and pay attention and, mm-hmm. you know, look for this or look for that. But it all comes from experience at some point. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know what I noticed too, Todd and Chris, is um, what I try to do now is don't consider the price right off the bat. Is go see what fits me or that client's mm-hmm. personality. Yeah. And would get Because that $100,000 horse may be way too much horse and then never get along with him. Right. And frustrated. And, right. Or just the opposite, $100,000 horse just may not be get may just may not be the perfect fit for that individual and that twenty thousand would be excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good point, right? Yeah. When I get um when I got the, a client that finally said, you know, like let's go buy the big one, I always wanted to show in futurities. Like futurities are where I wanted to to be competitive at. Um and if I had been I hadn't been so, I guess it was part of luck and part of it was just trying to be smart about it, right? Uh, if I hadn't tried to be so, you know, not so smart, I probably would have run for, a, to get me the best maturity horse that I could. But I hadn't shown at enough big shows and known what I needed to have in the pen. It's one thing to have something that's really cool at home, but what's the most important part is what I have in the show pen. And some horses change when they get to the show pen. They can ride really good at home. You guys know the schooling yeah. horse that's really good at home. You take him out and go to the show and he's a different horse, right? Mm-hmm. So I needed more than anything. It's one thing if he can be a plus one stop at home. But if right. he's a minus half stop or he loses his mind at a show, who cares? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's better for me to find sometimes it's that $60,000 horse. That's good minded. He's not like the one that's the superstar, but he's the one that you have to beat. Right. And that's important. Right. And it, what it does is it, that's what I got. So the first time I did, I went and bought a derby horse that had been in the pen that I could watch videos on to see what he was like showing. I could see what he was like doing stuff. And he was, and he fit me and all those things came together, but he was really a good, he was a derby horse. Mm-hmm. Well, he was aged enough that it wasn't as much of a gamble. If I'm buying a prospect, it's a higher gamble because I don't know what he's like in the show pen, right? If I'm buying one that is a proven commodity, it may cost me a little bit more sometimes because he's already shown that what he is and he has his potential and now is this potential to earn mm-hmm. because he's right. consistent and he and that's where his value is. His value isn't that he's a a plus one and a half stopper and he's going to win everything, you know, and you're going to be the next, you know, really cool guy. Right. He's a plus half stopper, but you can't mess him up on a plus half stop. Well, that's big. Right. Or he's really solid minded. He goes in the pen and he's like a robot. Right. That's huge because now I'm, I may only be a 72 and a half. I'm not the 75 and a half. Right. But I'm, I am the 72 and a half that you have to run your best run to be beating me. Right. You may have the 74, but you got to run at least a 73 in order to beat me, right? And some days I might be a 73, so you might have to beat me more. So it makes everybody else have to play up to a different level, yeah. right? And you get to find what's comfortable. The other part is, and this is probably the biggest benefit, right? Sometimes when you're a trainer and you're moving up, somebody sees the value in you. 
right? And what is that value? It's it's your excitement. It's what you you know. It's what you want to do. It's it's, it's uh, what you're wanting to learn and the the adventure. Well, people want to invest into someone, not just an erroneous whatever, right? They see the same desires and wants in a young person that they seen in themselves when they were at that point and had that hunger, right? Yes. And you want to invest in that. So these are the people that are going to be looking at investing into you are the ones that see that in you, right? And like, man, and it's like, why you're here, Krista? I can see that. Like, I see that, right? I see the, like, you're wanting to, you're wanting to get better. You want to do that. And it's like, okay, so I see what's in that. And I see the work ethic. Oh, that's one thing to want. Right. But if there's no work ethic in it either, that's no good either. Right. right. Yeah. But I see that where you're like, you're putting it into it. Like, so it's like, cool. I'm going to invest into that because it's something that I see that's worthwhile investing into. Right. Well, it's the same thing with somebody who has been successful in business and successful in life. They're not going to come into this and not want to be successful, but they're looking for the same characters mm -hmm. that they had when they were in it. The work ethic, the try, the hard work, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. That's who they're going to invest into. So when they go to do that, you being smart about going, okay, so if he's going to invest in me, I'm going to invest into this in a way that is going to benefit me down the road. That older horse that knows what he's supposed to do and everything else is going to show you through repetition and showing what you want to put on your next young horse. Right. All the other horses down the line benefit from what you learn from the horse that knows more than you. Mm, yes. There, there's a, uh, one of the smartest things that I took hooked on to was the idea that um, I will learn more from this whoever ex trainer by riding his horses than necessarily just listening to him. Yeah. Right. And you start to realize that you feel that and you're like, oh, I don't like this. And then later on you go and show and you go like, well, I should have liked it because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. You know, the yeah. horse, he's running off on the rundowns. No, no, he wants to go down there. And there's a right. difference and there's a fine line. Yeah. But I got to feel that, right? Yeah. And so you get educated about it. And when he does go down that pin and he's on that loose rein and you, then he stops even better. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, so maybe I got to stop trying to hold that back. Yeah. But kind of get that settled where we, me and him both like it, right? Um, one, one of the things that I've said before is 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 the difference between run, a, a big rundown and a runoff is just, it was my idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And there's, yeah. A, it, it, there's some truth in that, that, you know, if it's my idea, then it's free flowing and it's running too. And we're in a position to stop. Right. It's kind of like what we worked on earlier today. Yeah. Frank. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, I have another question. It kind of ties back into it, but like when you're first starting out, so to backtrack, like you're first starting out because I remember I was in here with you and your wife and you had uh, asked me about cult starting. And I was like, yeah, I charge this, but I can give you a discount. You're like, Krista, don't give us a discount. Like, you need to be like upfront with your prices and all that stuff. So when you're first starting out, like how do you value yourself and like, how do you like decide on what to charge? Oh, so a place to start is what the industry holds, right? Yeah. So comparatively what other people are charging around, generally around your area. Now it's a little bit more like our area is a little bit bigger because of our reach as far as advertising and stuff like that can mm -hmm. be bigger. So it's not just what, the other trainers in the county are charging. Um, but it's more of like the trainers of my caliber and where I'm at, what they're charging. Um, but um, 
if somebody is coming to you because you're the cheapest, mm-hmm. then you're going to get that kind of the horse, cheap, yeah. right? Right, And you're going to get that kind of client. They value... Um, they value you based on the cost of it, not on the quality or what you're putting into it. So you end up, what you end up doing is you end up labeling yourself as being that, right? Um, I, 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 I could fix things. Like I had a, I had a knack for like trying to get one that wasn't as good, but I could, you know, make it a little bit better. I could fix this. I could ride around this or whatever else. And then the next thing you know, I started getting a lot of problem horses that I had mm-hmm. to fix, right? Well, do I want to be someone who fixes things and rides halfway good horses or did I want to go to the next level? So I could kind of label myself as that, oh, problem solver and, and fixer. Well, it wasn't that I don't do that, but it's not the mainstay of my business. Now I'm yeah. just a really frustrated guy because I have yeah. a bunch of problems that I can't, you know, get to the next level on. Right. Um, there was a... Man, there's a saying that my, there's a thing that my dad told me at one point that was really, really important, right? It was an eye-opener to me. I had a client that had several horses, a couple of horses, and probably the bigger part was she had the best horse in my barn, right? And she'd come out for lessons a lot, right? And my dad saw that she was taking a lot of lessons from me and I was riding, you know, and she had the, the show horse that I was showing at the time was her horse, right? And it, he was, he was the best thing that I'd had. Mm-hmm. And, um, actually the horse's name was Zamanik. He was really pretty cool. Right. He was a, he was a boomernick, um, yeah. out of a Zampar bar mare. Oh, right. Oh, and, but know. he, it was Zamanik. And it's funny that I even remember that horse. That was probably like 25 years ago, but, um, he was the best thing that I had in the barn. And my dad said, so, you know, she's out here a lot, golly, you know, how much are you getting paid by her to give her so many lessons along with all the training and stuff? And I said, oh, I don't charge her anything for the lessons. You know, she's got the best horse in my barn. And he was like, hmm, so you don't charge her nothing for the lessons? I was like, no, I'm, you know, no, I'm going to charge her for that. And, uh, and he was like, well, how many and whatever. And, and so there was a lot of time I was putting into this client. Well, she's not going to pay anything that I don't charge her for. Right? She, right. I mean, like that's anybody. You don't charge for somebody for it. They're not going to pay it. I'm not going to ask for more unless it's me telling somebody like you that I want you to like value yourself. Right? right. And the thing my dad said to me was, you know, when you do things for free, you tell people what you're worth. That was big, yeah. right? Like it that. really was because if, you know, if I charge nothing, then I'm telling that person what my time, how I value it, right? right? And how are you going to rate on what I value, what my time is worth? Well, I'm telling you, yeah, I don't value my time at all. doesn't mean it's not worth anything, but I don't value it. So why would you? Exactly. So then they start coming and showing up late for the lesson. Why? Because you don't value your time, right? Right. You don't value your time. And sometimes that costs you, right? But in the long run, it doesn't. I had a lady one time. She kept going, getting later and later to lesson. A little bit later and a little bit later. Five minutes turned into 10. 10 minutes, she'd show up late. 
and you know her kid had a good horse and whatever else and i put up with it for a while and i put up with them and she'd get there 10 minutes late and 10 minutes late was 25 minutes late because she had to get out there change clothes get her saddle on saddle her horse up get ready and then be out there warmed up and whatever else that just kept getting longer and longer and longer next thing you know i'm riding you know an hour and a half past that time of what her lesson was and it ended up taking up an hour and a half of my time instead of an hour yeah right and there was I've a day, been that, mm-hmm. been and I had one day where she rolled in and she calls me. I'm unsaddled my horse. I mean, you're, you're 35 minutes late mm-hmm. and dinner's being served in my house in about 25 minutes. Right. And I wanted to like, oh, well, they're not showing up. I never got a call. Never even tell me you're late, much less tell me you're still coming. Right. right? right. And, um, and, uh, and then they did call me. Well, sorry about that, but we're five minutes out like literally like you're 40 45 minutes late right and it's we're five minutes out and i said i'm sorry i'm inside eating getting ready to eat dinner and she, oh but you know i'm really sorry i've got you know and she apologized and she, you know i think it was heartfelt she wasn't trying to like just but i've taught her how to value my time is right. it was a big part it was my fault right? right but the only way i'm gonna fix that was to i had to own it and it cost me, right? Because I never taught them how to do it right. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I'm sorry, we'll reschedule for next week, but I'm done for this afternoon. She drove the extra five minutes to get to my place and do a donut and <laughs> drive away <laughs> and drive back out. And she was mad. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, I look at the time, I, you know, it made me upset. But now looking back at it, you know, like, I don't know that it necessarily was her fault. I taught her how to do it. Right. Right. I, I gotta, I have to take some of the blame myself. Right. Mm-hmm. The same thing with your price. Right. If you don't value your time that much, right. You could, how much do you, I'm not asking you how much, but you know, like for you to think about how much do you charge for a lesson? I charge, I charge right now. Currently I'm a hundred dollars for a lesson. Right. Well, if I, Look at that and go, well, I'll drag on for an hour and a half, hour and 45. Well, I'm not getting $100 an hour, mm-hmm. right? I'm actually getting more like $60 an hour because I've drug it out to an hour and a half, hour and 45 mm-hmm. minutes, right? If you're coming late and I'll let you get here late and I give you the lesson, well, it's the same thing. You got here 20 minutes late and I let you ride over till an hour and a half and because mm-hmm. I sat around waited, right? Then I just told you my time is worth hundred dollars for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's at your discretion, whether I, so I give you that power, right? Same thing with my training. Well, but so-and-so charges this much. Yeah. But so-and-so may or may not, I don't know. Right. But I don't know if he has that much of a control over his feed program. I don't know if he keeps his stalls as clean as what I do right. or that they are done to this level, but to, in order to do what I do, and do it to the quality that I do it and the care that your horse has, I promise you, your horse is not going to leave here looking skinnier than when it came. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to look better. That's one of my main objectives. When it leaves here, it looks better, better. than when it came. Yeah. It rides better. at least the same. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it doesn't ride better, that sometimes that's not even my fault well, either, right? Yeah. You, you know, what can I expect when I get done with putting it in training with you? Well, if you brought me a donkey, you're still going to end up with a donkey, right? I mean, that's, it has a lot to do with what you bring me, 
right? You bring me a whole lot of trouble, you know, then, I mean, less trouble, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you only gave me a short <laughs> amount of time, right? But um, I can't change the quality of his mind and I can't change what you brought me. So the old saying of, I can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, well, don't bring me a sow's ear, right? And expect for it to be the silk purse that a lot of the horses that leave here are, right? right? That you, you bring me uh, something of quality, I can make it. I can bring that quality out, right? Yeah. Exactly. You know you, what I learned early in my career also to that point is I was hungry, right? Mm-hmm. Need to pay bills, right? Yeah. I wanted to get something in the barn. I wanted mm-hmm. to show my talent. But I came to learn also I wanted a certain type of client to bring in because just taking Joe Blow down the street that maybe just went trail ride once a year for Mardi Gras in Louisiana. <laughs> that wasn't doing me no good. Mm-hmm. That wasn't putting John Frank's signature on that horse. And I started being a little more pickier about who my clients were and what kind of client I wanted to attract and put my name out there and put my signature on that horse. And people would say, I had a guy come a while back to my barn and he says, I seen one of your horses you started and trained. I said, you remember one of them? He goes, no, I can just tell how the, the horse did. He flexed his head to the side when the first, first got on it. Just the way he was soft, disciplined in the box, in the rope box. I'm like, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's what yeah. I wanted to hear, you know? Yeah. But that client exposing that coat, exposing that horse and going on with it. Yeah. You know, built my reputation. Built. Yeah. Well, and it that, and that says a lot to not just what you're making, but who you're marketing to. Exactly. Right? So when you go to market yourself, you know, and you're wanting the client from a different type of deal, then you need to be, where are those people at? Mm-hmm. Like, I need to get them. Right. So, yeah. um, whether it's like hashtag, your hashtag needs to not be, <laughs> not to be backyard, you know, dink. Arabian. Yeah. <laughs> the backyard dink. I want the backyard dink, you know? So don't hashtag that, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's, it, but that's the same idea, right? Right. Yeah. So, totally. you, and when you're doing it, sell it as the quality, exactly. right? Because you're, even if you're not completely there, you know, that's where you hit it. That's where, exactly. yeah, nobody's just wakes up and falls backwards into the championship, right? No. It's a learned, it's a learned response. Yeah. Winning is learned. Yeah. It's not by accident, right? So what's your next question? What else you got? I feel like I've been asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> so where I'm at in my business, Todd, and what I've been doing is I have a lot of my clients now right at a year. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of young kids from seven, eight years old all the way up to 40, 50 years old. But I'm having to decide, I'm having to put more of my, take my training cap off and put my coaching hat on mm-hmm. and deciding where I'm going to take these kids to start exposing them and letting their hard work this past year show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the parents also, hey, what am I truly getting here? Yeah. You know, they see progress. I know they do. And they believe in me or they wouldn't stay with me for a year. Sure. But I also want them to see what we've done and the patience you've had with me compared up to these other kids at their age mm-hmm. level and see where we're yeah. at and their horsemanship mm-hmm. and what they're doing. And I've been already kind of moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. And telling the parents, hey, we're gonna, I'm gonna find a, 
a play day or something for them to go to. But I want you to just focus on your kid and don't get caught up in the moment. Because some of these kids, mm-hmm. their yeah. age been riding for still, believe it or not, way longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got to go do you. So I guess my question too is how you decide with your clients, where you're going to take them. Um, mm. You don't want, I don't wouldn't want to go take them to some big show and they're paying yeah. $200 entry fees. Right. And, right. So um, I think that's an important thing. Right. That's really an important deal because for one, you like what I just said, right? Success or winning is a learned response. It's not something that you just fall backwards into. So I don't want to put them in a position. Losing is part of winning. Right. So I have to teach them that, too. Right. That not you don't win every single time. Right. The. The greatest that there are in every industry lose way more than you win. Even the guy that is the, you know, $4 million reigning horse, you know, winner of of 4 million and he's done it. Like Fapani, I think is one of the greatest trainers there is, right? He loses still more than he wins. I mean, if you really think about it, if he has three of them in a futurity, right? And he wins the futurity, he lost on two, Mm -hmm. right? Right? Like, we ain't all talking about that. He lost on two while he won on one. He's still losing more than he wins, right? Even at that level. But we don't talk about that near as much, right? Um, It's what you learn from the losing. So I think it's important to not just take them there, but prepare them for what their reason is for going to a show, Mm -hmm. right? And put them in a position to get some success. Right. And at the same time, for your own benefit of your own barn, you need to build a team. Right. So that when you go to a show, you're not going to haul one person out there and they're in the midst of a group of people that they don't know anybody. They're going to be insecure and, you know, oh, my God, and everybody's watching me when in reality, ain't nobody watching you. (laughs) Right. Unless you're really out there losing your mind, (laughs) you know, then they're going to look at you, you know, but it's not. So you're not. You're in a controlled environment. Right. And if you went as averse to as opposed to you going as a team to a deal. Right. You can build that team up. And there's four kids they're all going together and now they're friends and now they're a group and it's like a team sport with an individual sport mm-hmm. right that's a great idea so when they're going to this they have support they have they fall let's say they have a terrible ride right not near as what they can at home well they got to learn how to handle those nerves and how to do that how do you do that when you come out of that show pen more often than not the feelings that you have coming out of that show pen are going to be felt the next time you go in Mm-hmm. Right. So if you come out of that show pen and you fell on your face, it wasn't a good ride. It was nervous. You missed it. You went off pattern. It was terrible. You got a zero. Right. And you come out of there and going like, look, I'm so proud of you going in there. Mm-hmm. Like like you did. Think about how many kids that didn't come here. Exactly. Like you get the opportunity to right and build that back up. The next time they're not going to come in. You come out of that pen doing that. And you're like, oh, I told you to do this. <laughs> you know you're not supposed to do that. You're So you're putting the negative back in. Right. The next time they go in, all they're going to be thinking about is don't screw this up. Exactly. Oh, well, the brain doesn't hear don't. <laughs> it just hears you screwed this up. Mm-hmm. Right. So teaching them what to do and how to feel afterwards is really, really important. The way to build that is doing a little show at your house. And when you're doing a little show at your house, the other kids don't need to be sitting over on the side, paying attention and worry about what they're going to do. They need to be sitting on the side, 
cheering the other kid on, right? So you teach them to cheer the other one. You teach them how to play as a team, right? And how to encourage the other one, right? And then they get out there. And then not only that, but if you're out there and you're doing it for the first time and you're nervous and everybody's clapping and cheering, it brings a whole different feeling to it, right? And you get addicted to the praise and the good, Mm -hmm. right? So it makes you want to do more or want to do better. You can create that environment or you can create a negative environment. You're never good enough. You're never been... And all you got to do is listen to somebody that's had enough negative talk. They talk negative to themselves, right? So the big part about what's the benefit, John Frank, for me putting my kid over and sending them, you know, buying the better horse. Well, if I can teach your kid how to positive think to themselves and how to deal with a situation where everybody's watching and this is built up, when your kid is a public speaker, or your kid is going to an interview at a really good job. They have to know how to handle that pressure, right? Yep. Well, I'm starting them out when they're 10. Yeah. Right? That's what the benefit of this is. They can't go and apply for that job right now, but I can create pressure and I can do it with something that's an, not an inanimate object, but an actually thinking, breathing other individual and learn, teach them how to control themselves to control that horse. That's why it's so important that your kid gets a horse that, like us as trainers, the ones that made the biggest impact on us in the show pen is the one that let me show, not fought me on showing, right? So it's important that that kid understand and the parent who usually don't ride, which is hard to tell and explain. But if I can teach that parent the importance of having a supportive horse, instead of one that I got to argue and fight with, then we're really doing leaps and bounds in this kid that where we can teach them how to be successful, right? That's where it grows. When you're at a show and one of the kids is riding and they've got a horse that says, yes, yes, yes. And they may not be a superstar rider yet, but they're beating the other kids that are, their horses are going, no, I don't want to, no, no, here, no, there. And they're arguing with them the whole time and the kid's having to like, you know, monster handle and whatever else. So it's, is it making them to where they they can control more things? Sure, but they don't get to think about winning. No, They don't get to learn how to be confident doesn't mean you got to buy your kid the horse that is the big winner. Mm-hmm. You need to buy a competent horse. And that's right? what I was saying at the beginning. Yeah. Right. I see that so much because that horse teaches them to gain that courage, gain yeah. that confidence, right. and then progress them along. And then let's put this horse to the side. Now we can go get that next level horse. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. I know myself, as many horses I've gotten on, mm. many horses I've raised, I'm still today. I don't get along with a big motor horse. Mm-hmm. I like a quiet, just gentle, because that's my personality. Yeah. Easy going. May I rode today, this morning. Mm-hmm. I got along great with her. Right. Because she fits John's Here. personality. Yes. But you know what? That was a little bit of a more of a motor horse at times. Really? Yeah, she can be. But she did the, get a little charge on the runs down. Right. But, but you handled it different mm-hmm. when I explained to you what to do. Exactly. Then you took what you know to help that one that already ha- that has a motor. Now you're not worried about trying to control the motor. You're trying to actually guide the motor, yeah. right? So, the, <laughs> but it takes that other horse that gave you the opportunity to learn how to do it without feeling like you're crammed up, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking for in a horse 
is the same thing that I'm looking for in a trainer or a coach for my kid, right? I don't want the coach that sits out there and goes, no, 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 do it again. No, do it again. No, you're not good. No, you're not this. No, you're not that, right? He may know the game really, really well, but you're not taking my kid yeah. and, and, and building confidence up in my kid, right? Right. The horse that's out there arguing and or I'll do this. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let yeah. me do it. Me that, yeah, let me do it. Well, <laughs> when that that coach that's going like, well, let me just show you because I'll do it. Well, and my kids not learn how to play basketball. No. If you're just playing basketball, you're they're just, just watching, learn how to watch you <laughs> play basketball. Right. Well, it's the same thing. You're coaching. What you're looking for is a horse that gives the kid the opportunity to learn. Yeah. Right. It may not be the winner, but if it creates the opportunity later on. I can expand upon my kid with the horse that can help them become a winner. And I feel like that cuts out so much frustration that the kid may have because their horse already knows what to do. But, I mean, like when you get that horse that says no constantly, it just like it, it kind of sets you back and you're like, what, like what's going on here? You know? It, well, and what it does is the same thing that have you have a coach who does that, right? Mm-hmm. It internalizes the problem for the kid. Right. Right. It's I'm not good enough. And you hear it. You'll hear the kids go like, well, yeah, but I don't ride like her. I can't ride. Or I can't yeah. ride like that. Or I don't have that kind of horse or I'm not that I'm not that kind of we don't have that kind of money. Right. Like, no, no, it has nothing to do with money and all that kind of stuff. You need to be if uh, here's an analogy I used to use a lot. Right. If uh, uh, John, you know how to play Parcheesi? No, well, I don't either. But if we got a board out and we had some marbles on it and a couple little triangles and stuff, we we could play, we could play something. Yeah. It probably ain't gonna be Parcheesi, right? <laughs> no. But we can play something, and and we could even have some of the rules and we can start to kind of play. But we probably aren't gonna play something that's Parcheesi. We're gonna play some weird game, right? One of the two of us has to know how to the game in order to learn how to play Parcheesi, right? Yes. And I say Parcheesi because nobody knows how to play Parcheesi yet, right? <laughs> but that's true. If you don't know, if the horse doesn't know how to do it and the rider doesn't know how to do it, like neither one of you are going to play the game, mm. right? You're going to worry about time. how not to play the game, yeah. right? So somebody's got to know. And the horse that knows has some experience to lend to it. It's not just that can it win, but it's going to build the confidence up in your kid to be able to move to the next level. Exactly. Right. And yeah. there's some great stepping stones to that. When you're building a training facility or training program, that horse that's not the superstar, but it is the one that builds those kids up. When that kid's ready to move to the next one, there's always another kid coming in. You go like, so you need to buy this horse. They sell it to them. Yeah. And then you get to buy that. Then you move up and next to the buy the one. Mm-hmm. And, and But you have to be able to teach your parents and your new students the importance of this horse and where you're at. And you get to be where they are, not by skipping them, mm-hmm. but by going and following along the lines of what success looks like, right? Um, and that's a hard thing to do because when you're talking to a parent and they're saying, you know, like, well, what am I looking for? Well, we're looking for a good one. You know, like, <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what Everybody to say. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but those kind of, but just putting that in your mind of what to say helps, right? Mm-hmm. Putting it, the reason why it helps I could tell you a good one and I could tell you I need a good one. Well, we got an idea what a good one is, right? But that parent that's coming in that hasn't ridden, but this is what they're, they don't know. Mm -mm. So I need to explain it to them with 
regular terms and regular ideas that they can understand, right? And make it make sense for the show, for the horse industry. Right. This isn't necessarily we got to win a national championship, right? Yeah, I say that all the time with my yeah. kids. <laughs> no, but what I would suggest for you, John, is to be able to take and make your own show. Teach them how to handle a show. You can you can control the pace. You right. can control the competition. You can control every bit of it at your house. You can't on the road. So maybe it's we have one arena. I have a little bitty area to practice in or whatever else before I go in the arena for them to show. I give them something I know everybody can get can get in there and accomplish. So I'll make a class that's called, you know, you know, pick your hat up, <laughs> whatever it is, but where they're going to find some success in it, something I can learn from it. And I take the time to go, okay, now it's your turn. Get ready. Everybody else stop. We're going to watch. Oh my God. Now she's worried. Everybody's watching. Well, Hey, we're going to learn how to handle this. Mm-hmm. And when she goes in there and she's going in and she's nervous, and you know, she's nervous. You need to get your other kids to be cheering her. Come on, let's yeah. go and build that up. Right. So teach somebody how to handle that pen. Now, then, that's a great idea because I took them to a small show down the road, some mm-hmm. of them in, back in around March. And I was furnishing the horses. Mm-hmm. And I felt like NASCAR. And I had a couple of dads helping <laughs> me because I'm having to change the numbers on the blankets. Grab the kids, put their numbers on, throw them up on the horse, switch saddles. Oh, no, you ride this. And, man, I was a, a wreck. <laughs> yeah. So, and what's really funny is we, we take these things that we know from other competitions and we never apply them to the horse industry right so what do we do before we go and play in a football game with another with our first football game with a bunch of you know junior high kids we go scrimmage Scrimmage. yeah Yeah. well what's the scrimmage scrimmage isn't hurry up here's a time frame we got to no you like stop everybody stop coach come out here let's talk to him it's not a time frame it's not a rush thing it's let's do it right we need to stop. Okay, so I found a hole. My kids don't know what to do when we're changing, you know, changing quarters. We never talked about quarters and we got this change on the other side of the field. And now, you, oh, changing halves. Now it's the score on the other end. You know, it's, but a scrimmage opens that up and you can stop and you have the time to control it as a coach, right? Same thing for this. So it's a scrimmage at home, right? You create that environment and it's done in the year in Europe. They're called schooling shows. We don't do that here and call it a schooling show. And you got to invite your grandparents and whatever else. We'll set the kid up to be successful, right? And at the same time, you're setting your horse up to be successful yeah, too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Slow it down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Great yeah. for the horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know how what makes the horse nervous is a nervous rider. Exactly. We'll break it up there. Well, and like when I had my paint filly out here, you were like, you don't really run her much, do you? Because when I started to ask for more from her, she was like, what are we doing? Because I never did that at home. Like, I just kind of was like, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to go through slow work, do this. And then I expect her to like want to take off at a barrel race. Like, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. And so what you what you do when you do that is you heighten the anxiety of the horse when you go and you just right. run when you're right. on the road, right? And then you're not doing it at home, oh. right? So then... Whenever she goes on the road, she's like, here it comes. Oh, my God. And you're like, I don't understand. We get here. She knows where she's at. Well, yeah, Yeah. she does. Because she knows you're going to, like, go run like, yeah, you're in for the glory today. You know, like, she's got no idea. We You know, when do we run and when do we not run? It's got to be part of a daily thing. You know, it's got to be that regular that and regular enough for you to be able to control yourself. 
Yes. You're not doing a, you're doing yourself an injustice whenever you go to practice in a practice run and you practice a run slow and, you know, if you're bringing one down from a high, that's a different deal. Right. But if you're going in there to just say, you know, we don't, it doesn't mean anything and then surprise them with a, you know, you know, like all you're doing, you're setting them up for guessing when the big bad runs. And then they get anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but if you go in there and say, okay, let's run. And then when they go to run, you go, hey, calm down, cool out, whatever. That's a different deal than trying to to just, you know, quiet it and then sneaking up on them, you know. Right. Same thing for your kids. Yeah. Right? You just think about the same things and then recreate that same situation. That's preparing for a competition, right? Being able to get in the head, prepare things, you know, be able to do it. I have to do it, but the hard part is I have to do it to myself. Yeah. Right. And nobody else to like tell me, but like, calm down, I'm like, calm down. I'm going, you know? <laughs> um, so that's the hard part, right. Is learning how to, but you just take the same things you're doing with your kids and apply it to yourself. Right. So back to one of the first questions was how do you get your client to, uh, or what are you looking for, for your client, a horse, right? is now that starts to make sense, right? Because now you're stepping to the next level and do I buy the $100,000 horse that's more power than I can ride or whatever else? Or do I buy, well, you're looking for the same thing. You're looking for something that's got a little more power than what you're used to because you need to expand yourself, right? But it's got a good enough mind to be able to take care of you in the pen, Mm -hmm. right? Don't go necessarily to buy something that you got to fix in the pen sometimes. Right. right. And those cost yeah. more. Yeah. They cost more. You know, they consistency do. is expensive. Mm-hmm. And I, I have another question. So I don't, do you sell horses, John? Like occasionally. Yes. Yeah. So that's one thing that I feel like I've kind of got the short end of the stick on because I've had some really nice horses that I've let go for, I feel like too little. Mm-hmm. And then I see like so-and-so has a horse that they sold for 15,000. And I was like, my horse is better than that. And I always yeah. sold her for, this much mm-hmm. so i guess my question is like how do you we're talking about value how do you value the horse that you're selling mm. good question yeah that's um, i struggle with that a lot i do too and and there's times when you go i want to get this horse out there right i want it because it'll expo- expose your name correct exactly and but at the same time you know the work and and, and time you put feed in and, and feed and, yes. and maintenance and consistency that horse goes to the shows and showing that's why I started valuing that horse also with that horse is like Ty was saying earlier if that horse is doing a great job for this individual kid grown adult whatever and also goes to the show pen or roping that day and puts them in a position to oh, win yeah. consistently that's that's value. That's, That's money to horse. me. Yes. That's a good horse. Right. And it kept your kids safe. Mm-hmm. Or you safe. Because I always think about the last thing I do, my wife went to Canton the other day shopping. But I checked the car. You know, it's a few, <laughs> I don't want her on the side of the road yeah. broke down. Yeah. You know? And that, that means a lot to me value-wise. Mm-hmm. And that's on the individual. And I feel like now over the years I've come to learn the right client's going to come around and want to purchase this horse. For the, right. for the market value that I'm asking for. it, But I have to also explain and show them. You can get the easy clients that knows that and it's going to just know you're spot on. Then you got to get those that you got to kind of push and mm-hmm. sell. 
And believe it or not, they'll come back around. Sometimes it's three years later. Go, I should have <laughs> bought that horse with you that day. Because yeah. what they've done, they bought four or five and spent more than what you were asking for right. that one. Right. So don't kick yourself. No. I know it's tough. Because mm-hmm. you go, man, I probably just missed a sale. Yeah. Did I overprice my horse? But you know the value of your horse. Yeah. You know the worth. You, you know, you've been out. You see what horses do out there. And that's experience, what I've come to learn. Yeah. Experience is expensive. <laughs> oh, very. Right? Experience is expensive. And you're either going to pay for it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You're either going to pay for it by buying a horse that has enough experience to be able to help you and trusting in who it is your trainer is to be able to buy the right kind of horse. Right. Or you're going to pay for it several different other horses and lose enough money before you get enough experience to know what you got to spend. Right. right? Yeah. And both of them are expensive. Um so where do I price a horse, right? So that's a tough one, right? Um, because what's a horse is worth? It's worth what somebody else spend, right? At really, you know, what what they value it. If your value is winning, then you know the guy that's wanting a backyard horse, you know, is not gonna pay that kind of money for that kind of deal. But then you see backyard trail riding horses that sell for $35,000 and you're like, good grief. So part of the deal of selling a horse for the most money on what it's worth is you need to put it where he's most valued. Mm. Right. And that's important. If I have a horse that's a dud and he's just, you know, lazy and he's not motivated and whatever else. He's cute. He's built well and whatever else, but he's just lazy, not motivated. And he's kind of just blah. Right. And I'm trying to sell him as a rainer or I'm trying to sell him as a rope horse or I'm trying to sell him as a jumper or whatever. And you're like, God, but I got to beat this thing to get him to go (laughs) and whatever. And he's cute and all, but he's just not motivated. He's not built that way. Right. I, you know, what's his worth? Well, theoretically, you know, I should be able, I want to sell him for this or what well, you can want all you want, but in that part of the industry, nobody's going to buy it. Right? right. Because he just as cute as he is. And so you got to fool somebody into or whatever else, but the trail rider that's looking for the quiet horse, that's not yeah. going to spook and run off. So don't go and market it to them. Go market it to the person who in the the area where he's best suited. Mm-hmm. He likes it. He's a lazy yeah. old guy that he's going to take care of somebody who wants to go trail and they want to be able to go out there and time to a post and not worry about him. He's not going to sit back and freak out mm-hmm. and whatever else. Your great, you know, really nice calf horse may not be the one that can tie up all that good, you know, to the right. side of the trailer. You know, you got to take care. Well, that person needs to be more of a horseman and it's not going to be the kind of horse that fits that person. Right. Part of it is finding out what area that horse is best sold in. And that's where somebody goes, oh man, I can't believe he bought that horse for $3,000, turned around and sold him for $12,000, you know, a month later. God, I wish that happened to me. Well, he just was smart enough to put it in the right yeah. area. <laughs> right? Right. Um, the other is when you're, you know, so you're looking for what you're, where to put, where is his value, right? Is going to give you the most you know, money on it. Um, but really the hardest ones to sell are the ones that you don't believe in. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are hard to sell. And sometimes you have to just realize, and I had to realize it, right. That I'm a good salesman. I mean, I can talk, right. Mm-hmm. But 
I can only really sell something I believe in. Yeah. Right? I got passion. Man. Is it hard for me to sell a really good show horse? It ain't hard for me to sell it because I'm talking to everybody I know. Like, come on. No, let me show you, man. He's going to be. I'm excited about it. You see that enthusiasm. You want the same enthusiasm, right? It's easy to sell something I believe in, right? right? It's really hard for me to sell something I don't believe in. So I don't want to sell something I don't believe in. I'm not that kind of salesman. I'm not that kind of horseman, right? So sometimes it's just the fact of that's not who I am. And maybe I'm not good at that. Right? Am I am I a good salesman of something that I really don't like? Well, I'm not. You know, even if it is a good one, like, man, this is the coolest, you know, trail riding horse and he's you can stand, he'll stand all day long for you and he'll just do like, man, those things, lazy dud. I don't want to ride like Dan. You know, is he great for that? Yeah, he's great for that. I don't want to ride him. Like that. <laughs> oh, you know, I don't want to do that. No, so I'm not the guy to sell for those, but the guy that can stand on his back and crawl under his belly and slide off his butt and do this and do that. It's like, man, I don't want, I'm not a circus guy. No, I see those all the time because I'm always in market, Todd. You're not, yeah. you're not talking. And I admire some of those guys like, God, yeah. they're so good about yeah. that but stuff. That's not what I'm planning on doing with my horse. I'm not bouncing a ball in the arena. No. <laughs> no, yeah. So, you know, Envy sometimes can get uh, in our way, yeah. right? I, I, uh, I'm never going to reach my potential if I'm trying to reach yours, Yeah. right? Because your potential isn't necessarily mine. Um, selling horses, probably not my best deal. Selling any old horse, it's just not mine. I probably wouldn't be the best to explain it to you on how, what, you know, but I know what it is on a show horse and... You know, how much is a really good youth show horse, right? Well, what's your idea? Really good, you right. I mean, to get my kid better. So let, we got to define those things. Defining the words that we're using is really, really important, right? Um, so I need to know what your idea of a good one is, right? Good for where you're at right now? Well, that's going to cost this, right? Why are those, why are those good ones so expensive? Why is that? Why is that? It's not a world champion. But it's that good one for your kid's horse. Well, there's two ways to look at it, right? How much is an ambulance ride? Yeah, yeah that's what right? I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if it's if it's, you know, if it's safe for my kid and I don't have to worry about it trying to rake them off on a fence or, you know, flip with them or whatever kind of crazy thing, like right. well, there, there's a value in that yeah. to start with. The other part is what am I trying to teach my kid to be confident in the pen, to get over being nervous and whatever else? Well, if I buy a Rainer, for example, right, takes me two years to train a Rainer to be com- competent in the pen. And that's a good one, right? That's not like yeah. the hard to train one, right? Right. So if it takes me two years and if I'm charging a thousand dollars a month, that's twenty four thousand dollars in two years. And I had to buy it. So if it costs me uh, like cheap as crap as a $5,000 yearling, you know, of any kind of like decent breed. decent bloodlines <laughs> and whatever else is like 5,000 is about unheard of at this point. Right. So I've got $24,000 in training and 5,000 I bought it for $29,000. Whoa. 
right? $29,000. And let's say after the two years and everything else, I got through with it and I got a nice one. You gonna sell it to me for 30? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go and enjoy what I got, mm -hmm. right? I got a good one. So it's gonna it's gonna cost you, you know, and, and, and you're like, well, how, you know, what's it really, really worth and whatever. Well, the bigger difference is you paid that money, you spent that time, you got it ready to go to the show pin. It is a good one. It proves that it is a good one. And my kid is riding on it and she's winning. Now what does it cost yeah. to take it from your kid? The winning horse is very, very expensive. And there's a reason why they don't just grow on trees. No. And it's not last night that they make them. Right. Right. So if I've expen I've put two to three years of training into it, the time and the money that it costs to get there. And we're there and we're doing well. Who wants to buy the trouble horse that's losing? Yep. It's giving the kid trouble in the alley and stuff. Well, that one's worth less. Yeah. Right. It's not the one that's doing well. They come at expense. And that's what I mean by experience is expensive. Yep. You can pay for that one and have a good experience. Or <laughs> you can spend a lot of money and have a lot of bad experience. And now you got experience, but it costs you a lot of money to get there. Yeah. Right? Um, so it's a, it's a crazy number, right? But it's trying to find that kind of horse as to what that value is. When you start to see that, then you're like, and it's a lot more of like, what does that cost? Right? What is it, you know, what does it cost to not buy this horse? That's the bigger question. Yeah. I'm not a good sale. I'm not a good one to, you know, I'm a good one to explain to you why it costs that, you know, because I know what I'm looking for <laughs> and what I want to go show. I'm like, and I'm, and I'm a little, I'm a little on the lazy side as far as like, I don't want to ride that hunk crap that I got to <laughs> ride five hours before I go and show it. Like, I don't want to do that. No. Like, that's, that's, that's not, it's not fun. fun. No. It's not fun. I know what I got to do to do that, but I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to go buy you that kind of horse. Right. You know, I want to buy the one that's good. It's easy. And get your kid up there and we can have a good time. Yeah. Good yeah. Yeah. That costs more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, Krista, you got to go. I do. Yeah, you do. Um, well, those are some good questions. We ought to yeah. do this again. I enjoyed yeah, it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I learned yeah. a lot. And that's yeah. some good stuff for you guys to be able... I mean, I think you're not the only ones that have those questions. No. Right? right? Um, and we'll ask some more on them. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people out there who's looking for a horse trainer or contemplating what kind of horse I need to go buy and what yeah. I need to do and... And it ain't always just, I've had many discussions with folks. It's not someone having to come ride in my barn with mm -hmm. my ring, but just having these conversations and talking and helping them. I just got recently a couple and they keep telling me, and I keep telling I wish I would have met them two or three months ago because what they did, they went and bought their horses oh, and did yeah. all that first, mm -hmm. then called me to yeah. start riding. Yeah. And now they're going, Oh, now we, we spoke go. to one of them yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now he's wishing, man, I should have talked and consulted with John. Yeah. Yeah. Before. I, I had a client that was like, they kind of did the same thing. And they're like, we just went and looked at a horse from Craigslist. And so-and-so was great. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, please no. don't. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that there couldn't be a good one in yeah. there, but the odds are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are, but 
you know, being able to have something like this where we, the, the real questions and, and concerns, you know, can yes. kind of start the conversation of how, how to get addressed. Yeah. It can help you guys out a lot. Kind of yeah. save you a lot of, well, listen to this. Right. <laughs> check this yeah. out. Yeah. Check that out. So, and it, you know, I think we gotta, maybe this is a good time to, if anybody's listening on this, you have a question as a, you know, you know, as, and this is more the horse industry and the training part, right? Yeah. But yeah, there's good questions out there on starting a business, right? How to right. get your marketing out there, how to market yourself or, you know, what is it that you're looking for? And it, it translates, not just horses, but it translates into other things. No, too. It, it taught me a lot, Todd, getting started. You know, I had to decide I want to do an LLC. Oh, yeah. Or not. Those are you know, important things that nobody talks about. Um, my tax lady, I hired an accountant for the first time, and I used that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm no expert in that. I don't know what I'm supposed to be turning in monthly to the state or right. not, or, or taxing mm-hmm. or not taxing. Yeah. That's a lot of things, collecting, keeping up with my receipts and my mileage and what I can charge. And my my reckon- square footage in the house. <laughs> it just keeps growing. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and on something like that and questions like that, my only suggestion is marry a really good woman because <laughs> I don't, I just want to ride them. I know, but, <laughs> but it's, it's a smart business sense on that. What we're talking about business sense, yeah. it's a lot yeah. of things you don't always want to do. The invoices, mm-hmm. I don't care to do that. I just like you say, I want to just talk horses. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, next time we do this, I can put like a question box on Instagram and have oh, yeah. people submit questions about. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really good. I'd like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys for coming out. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Go Time Podcast with Todd Martin and Brendan O'Reilly. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Go Time Ranch so you can come work with us each day to learn, have fun, and be inspired. For information on bookings and merchandise, please visit www.gotimeranch.com.